Hello, my name is Sabrina Van Tessel. I am a um, film director and a reporter, and I've directed The State of Texas versus Melissa. My name is Melissa Elizabeth Lucio. I'm 48 years old. I have 14 children. I've been on death row 11 years. There were bruises from head to toe. There were bruises on the face, in the hair, on the chest. This was the worst case of child abuse I had ever seen. Oh my gosh. You fell all the way down. From the first step up there, all the way down here. Imagine the baby fells. The baby? And did you see her fall or did somebody tell you that that's what had happened? The interview was never presented to the court. And none of those kids ever said that their mom was beating up on Mariah. It was during election time. Armando Villalobos was running again for DA. I'm the first Hispanic woman on death row. So this was a huge case for him. Bribery was endemic. He'd be compensated for favorable treatment in criminal cases. That was a plan to put her away. My mother, poor, perfect target to help him win his election. She's no criminal, they're the criminals. They're the criminals. Welcome to the Lone Star Play Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Join me and a famous guest. We discuss their career, life, food, Texas, and everything in between. Let's get started. Hi, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Lone Star Plate Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. We have another amazing episode, as always. Um, this is actually quite a unique episode today. Uh, something we've never done before. So there, we have a sister podcast, uh, called Factual America. We have it, you know, it's a, it's our sister podcast. Uh, it's called Factual America. Definitely check it out. Uh, basically what they do, uh, their host, Matthew Sherwood, um, fellow Texan as well. Um, what they do is they interview, you know, directors, producers, um, of documentaries. Right. And they go over the documentary. Um, they've got some phenomenal episodes, you know, the best documentaries you see out there. They're getting, you know, uh, top talent from that documentary and, um, you know, doing interviews. So, look, they had Alex Gibney on for uh, that doc that he has on HBO Max about the opioid crisis and all that. Um, you, you name it. OK, it's it's really quite an amazing um podcast and they're doing really well. I'm really happy for them. And anyway, we just, we did sort of a collaboration. So we, we have had people on from documentaries as well. Um, but obviously that's not really our thing, right? So, um, 
if they're Texan, yeah, we do that. But um, so th- this one was just sort of a special documentary. And so we sort of collaborated and we basically interviewed together. So which we'd never done before. So in this episode, um, you're going to see Matthew Sherwood uh, and hear him. Uh, Matthew Sherwood from Factual America podcast and myself in there as well, of course. And our guest, Sabrina Von Tossel. Um, she is um, the director, producer, everything of this particular documentary. Um, I absolutely loved this woman. She was passionate, um, you know, so full of life, so caring. Um, invested in, you know, her work and what she's doing. Um, and I have just nothing but the utmost respect for that, um, to be honest with you. Um, the documentary itself is, you know, it outraged me, to be honest with you. It's, it's frustrating to watch, uh, because of the injustice, you know, in my own state of Texas. Um, and sadly, it's not the first or the last time this story will be told. Um, so look, it's a phenomenal documentary. You can watch it on Hulu, uh, on Amazon Prime, you know, uh, you know, uh, rent the movie, watch it. It's, it's, you know, again, it's a phenomenal documentary. So well done. It's, you know, you, you look, you, you just like, you, you need to have some time to watch it and like absorb it all, right? It's not something you can like watch and, you know, pause and come back. And this is something I recommend sitting, watching it all the way through, really taking it in. Um, It's an important documentary. It's an important film. So anyway, you know, this was just such a pleasure to do with, with Matthew. Um, I can't wait to do more with him. Um, You know, we think a little different and um, I like that. You know, we, we just come at it from different angles. We're just two different podcast hosts. You know, we have two different podcasts. It makes sense. Um, so I like that. It was just, it, for me, it was great. It was, it was a cool conversation. And Sabrina, you know, she had to deal with both, right? Boom, 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 both of us. Um, so yeah, she, she was amazing. She's phenomenal. Look, she's done over 45, you know, documentaries. Um, she just, you know, such a, you know, power player in this industry. So she, she has actually, we zoomed her in France, which is where she lives. So she's from there. She's like, she's like myself, I think, which is half and half, right? So like I'm half Mexican. Um, and I think she's, you know, half French, but living there. So anyway, again, it's a phenomenal documentary. It's a phenomenal podcast. So, um, yeah. Hope you enjoy this. Uh, but before we get to the podcast, here's a quick word from our sponsor, Texas Real Food. Hi, I wanted to talk to you about what's on the Texas Real Food site that's more than just putting in your zip code and finding, you know, the coolest butcher, farmer's market, restaurant around you. There's also other resources on the site, recipes, articles, and one in particular is called the Texas Mom Blog. It's awesome. Faria Khan is writing these beautiful articles. You can really learn a lot about Texas just giving you a lot of other things to think about food, family, everything behind that goes into food as well. So just different topics and uh, conversations. Definitely something worth checking out as well. All right, back to the show. 
All right. Thank you so much for listening and watching. If you haven't hit the subscribe button, if you're watching this on YouTube, hit it now. Uh, if you're listening on Apple, hit the subscribe or follow. If you're on Spotify, do the same thing. Um, we really appreciate uh, everyone listening and, um, you know, sharing and investing in uh, this show. Really, really do appreciate it. It means a lot to us. Um, if you want to follow us on social media, Lone Star Plate TX. And, um, yeah, and on YouTube, like I said, please hit the subscribe button if you haven't. Um, and the little notification bell lets you know when we have new content coming out, which is every week, two episodes a week. All right, so, look. What do you say we just get to the episode? I think that's what everybody's waiting for, right? Let's do this. So Sabrina Bontossel, uh, this is the documentary is the state of Texas versus Melissa. Um, and yeah, let's just jump into this. All right. Okay. Enjoy. Sabrina, welcome to Factual America. Thank you for having me. Yes. And Patrick, while you're sipping your coffee, do you want to? Welcome. Thank you, Sabrina. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> this is awesome. Thank you, Patrick. Yeah. <laughs> so the film is, uh, this, that uh, at least the factual America listeners have already heard the trailer is the, uh, state of Texas versus Melissa. It, uh, released in 2020, at least in festivals. Um, is it on Amazon? Am I right? Is it on Amazon Prime and Hulu? Yeah. It was released on Hulu, uh, in April. Okay. April and what about? And what about internationally or uh, do people? Uh, it's to... going to be released in the cinemas in France on September 15th. Okay. Uh, cool. It's going to Cannes before and it's going to the Deville Film Festival before. Wow. And I'm hoping that it's going to uh, be sold everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Well, well congratulations. I, mean, I saw it on Amazon. That's where I watched it. Yeah, it was great. On Thank my big you. TV, I was like, okay, I don't want to watch it on a laptop. You know what I mean? I was like, no, no, no. Yeah. This is this, this as big a screen as I could get to with it. Okay, that's what I did. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's yeah. made for cinema, so I'm, I'm happy about that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's very cinema, uh, um, cinematic. It's... Um, it's it's a it's a lovely piece of work. It's it's no shock that you won uh you know best feature doc at, at Sundance, I think. That's uh you know, back in twenty twenty. So um I mean just to get us just to get us started, um I mean maybe just tell us a little bit about what is the state of Texas versus Melissa about. Okay, so um so the state of Texas versus Melissa uh was selected at Tribeca, not Sundance. So oh, I wanna well, tell you that. Just, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's in the. Okay. Well, I'm sorry about that because that's yeah. in the. Uh, in it's, one, you know, it could have been, but yeah, it was Tribeca. Well, I was curious about that because it was showing up anyway. My apologies yes. for that. And I'm actually going there next week to uh, present the film again. Okay. Uh, since the 2020 um, selection did not happen, uh, you know, mm, for real. Lockdown. Yeah, yeah. lockdown. Yep. So the state of Texas versus Melissa is a film about, um, about a woman on death row. Her name is Melissa Lucio. Uh, she's been there for, um, 13 years now. Uh, and, um, it's, it's not only about her case, but it's also the portrait about a woman, uh, who, um, the judicial system did not treat right. Um, there's many reasons why I wanted to do um, this film. Uh, I think 
a lot of wrongful convictions, uh, if, you know, Melissa Lucio is one of them, um, have very flawed characters involved. And uh, Melissa is, is one of them. She's a very um, imperfect, so to speak, uh, character. She's someone who uh, did not have uh, an easy life, by all means. Um, she was abused as a child. She lived a life of poverty. She had two new children. She had a history of drug abuse. Uh, she had a history of going with the wrong men in her life, being involved with the wrong men. And um, once she got... Um, once her daughter, um, you know, was found dead, she was all of a sudden, you know, the perfect target. And I think that there are a lot of people like her in prisons, uh, unfortunately, because she checks all the boxes for the ideal culprit. So that's the reason why I wanted to do a film about her. And, and again, I mean, I, I do believe, uh, with all my heart that she is innocent and that she should not be where she's at. But even if she was guilty, I would still have done, I would still have, you know, made the film. Uh, I, I think it's, it's um, most and foremost a portrait uh, of a woman, you know, against the entire system. And um, I mean, I think it, if if I understand correctly, I mean, how did you get involved? How because this was this is not I mean, going way back to whatever two thousand seven. This I mean, I guess it was a big case at the time locally in South Texas, but um, you know, it wasn't such a big case. Yeah. I, it was it was. I don't well, remember I it. I don't. You don't remember, remember it, and most people no? in Texas don't. Uh, it wasn't a big case. It was mm. again just another case of child abuse. And if you look at cases of child abuse throughout the United States, usually you don't end up on death row for child abuse. Okay. So, um, the reason that it was, it was a big case for the DA at the time who was in the middle of, you know, getting reelected and who needed a case to be reelected and he used her case. So it was a big case for him. But if you ask most people and even people down in Brownsville, they've never heard of this case. It was very fast. Uh, it was like a four-day trial. You know, um, she was, uh, you know, guilty uh, from the moment she was arrested. Exactly right. They put the headline in. You read it. You're done. You move on. That person's guilty. Yeah. She was yeah, done. Sure. She was arrested at 7 p.m. Her daughter was found dead at 7 p.m. By 3 a.m., uh, she was indicted, basically. And yeah. end of story, no investigation. Then, you know, the entire story goes on. Then she gets, you know, a court-appointed attorney. She's up for 30 years. Uh, she says no. Uh, he says, no problem. You know, we're going to win this case. Yeah. And, you know, they go to trial. And then, you know, no witnesses, no nothing. And then now she's on death row. So it wasn't a big story at the time. The, the way how I got to know about her case is a different story. Uh, I was working on a previous documentary for French TV about women on death row. And I was trying to look for women to interview. And um, I found Melissa Lucio. Uh, and at the time, she had never been interviewed by anybody. I mean, no hmm. journalist whatsoever had never, you know, written anything about her. And if you, you know, at the time typed her name on Google, there may be two local newspapers who said something about her case, but not more than that. 
And so when I, I, I went down to Brownsville, Texas to meet, um, her family and they were estranged at the time, you know, um, mm-hmm. which unfortunately is, is, is often the case for death row offenders. Uh, you know, the family just gives up, they give up on them because there's no hope. Uh, so I went down there and uh, I remember entering a house full of her family relatives who said to me, you're the first person who have come to uh, knock on our door in 13 years. And, and is it true you almost canceled wow. the meeting? I om- Yes, I almost did. I almost did because there was just wow. nothing about her. Yeah. You know, it was... Open and shut case. sound bad to say that, thing. but it was dull. It was a dull case. It was like, you know, a case of child abuse. And there's nothing to say, right? There's no... Uh, no American media has ever, you know, paid any attention to the case. And usually when there's someone on death row, you have all, you can find all mm-hmm. these, you know, crazy shows about it, you know, and, and there was just nothing about her. And so when they said that to me, I said to them, I'm like, well, surely her lawyers must have gone and, and, and talked to you, correct? And they said, no, her lawyers have never contacted us. We were never allowed to speak to her lawyer. We we're never allowed to speak to anybody and never, and nobody ever paid attention about us and about her. Hmm. And then they started telling me all these stories that, you know, the little girl had, you know, it was actually, it was in fact an accident. The little girl had fallen down the stairs. Uh, the DA was in prison. The attorney, you know, uh, had gone to work for the DA. I mean, all these crazy stories. And I was just like, mm. right. You know, as you know, everybody's, you know, innocent in prison. So I was just, especially yeah. for family members. So I was just like, okay, great. So, but I was, you know, it was just very, very bizarre. The entire thing was very peculiar. And then the next day I went and I met Melissa. And mm. that was just a shock. I think it was a shock for both of us. And it was really a shock for me. I, 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 I just, I, I felt it, you know, I felt it. I felt that, you know, there was just something really wrong with her case. Mm-hmm. And, and some, and, and I just, just could not believe that, you know, she had done what she was accused of. It was just really hard for me. And I, um, imagine this at the time I could not, I mean, there was, she was such a nobody that there was no way for me to find out who her lawyer was. You know, I could not even find that, you know, on the internet. So I said to her, could you please tell me the name of your attorney? And she repeated, you know, she, she kept saying it to me. She spelled it for me. And then, you know, I called her and I said, listen, I just spoke to your client and uh, I have a really bad feeling about this. There's something really wrong. And she said, oh yes, I know she's been innocent for 12 years. But, you know, she's done. There's nothing I can do about her and she's going to be executed. And unfortunately, you're coming in this story way too late. And that's mm-hmm. how it started, really. Because I was just, okay. Um, she said, do you want to read, read some of her files? And I'm like, yes, just send me everything. Yeah. And I spent the next couple of months just reading everything. I read everything about Melissa Lucia's case. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know. Uh, people can say whatever they want. The thing is, there is nothing in this case. There is nothing. Apart from uh, a woman who gave up while she was being interviewed by five, you know, male police officers 
with guns and who were threatening her and telling her she was never going to see her children again. And that, you know, they, they already knew what happened. So she needed to just, you know, let go. And she just basically gave up and she said, you know, I'm, I'm responsible for the bruising. She never said I killed my, you know, she never said that. She never said I killed my daughter. She said, I'm responsible for the bruises. And, um, that was it basically. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, I mean, a, a few things there. I mean, one thing, I mean, yours is not, I will say yours is not the first to document that there's something inherently wrong with interrogation techniques in the, certainly in the way the U.S. police go around in cases like this. I mean, uh, won't go down the list, but you know, how many of these things where you, they go in, they've, they decide who's guilty. Um, maybe the path of least resistance. Um, and that's the whole point is to get a confession, to, to coerce a confession and to get a result, I guess, and less about, um, um, finding out what the truth is. Is that, uh, I mean, I mean, that's what your film captures. Certainly in that, those, those scenes are, 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 are just as damning. You've seen the interrogation. Yeah. I think it speaks, you know, it speaks volume. Uh, and uh, if you um, review all the Innocence Project, you know, uh, wrongful convictions, yeah. um, I think a good 50%, if not 60% of them had confessed. Mm. And so, you know, that really doesn't mean anything anymore. And, and, and you know, you have these, these police officers who, you know, basically that's what they want. But it's the entire system. It's the, it's not only the police officers, it's also the forensic experts. Okay. Mm. Who, you know, right away they see the bruising and they're like, Oh yeah, uh, she was abused. And yeah. she was, you know, that she, that, that, that child is, is a victim of, of abuse. And so from that mm. moment, you know, once, you know, uh, that person writes homicide, on it yeah. then the police officers you know this is what they want to get they want to you know they want to hear this you know so it's like playing dog almost there's all these people who who know who know the truth i mean um there's a lot of things for me who are who are really hard to understand uh first of all if you really think that you know melissa lucia should be on death row why did you offer 30 years I mean, there's kind of a big gap between 30 years and, you know, and, and, and killing someone, you know, I mean, if she is such a danger to society, why would you put her on death row when you just offered her 30 years? I mean, that for me does not make any sense. Second of all, the forensic experts who they know, right? But, you know, in the film, I have another forensic expert who said the exact opposite of the first mm. one. Yeah. So that's another problem. And then you have all these police officers who know they, they, they saw her. I, I think the Texas Ranger who was interrogating her, uh, he said in court that he knew she was guilty from the, the moment he saw her. So, I mean, there's all these people who know and he, they play God and there's all these, you know, people who end up on death row or in prison you know, for life. Uh, and that's a big problem. I, I think there's, there needs to be, I mean, 
I can go on and on, but there needs to be a huge reform. Yeah. 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 Well, why is there even, I mean, not to take it there, but why is there even a death penalty to begin with? Right. Like that's, I mean, not, not just not to put my own personal opinion in there, but like, you know, my God, this is a very deeply unsettling film for myself. I'm not going to lie. I was very anxious watching it. Um, it's very personal. My mom's Mexican herself. Um, I, you know, culture wise, uh, it made me think like, how much does that influence how this woman, you know, was in her life, how she got to where she was? Um, yeah, the cops taking it, how much of that influenced the cops taking advantage of that moment, right? They see a poor, right? Mexican woman, 14 kids. Oh yeah, this woman did it, right? It's and done. Once they, once they, right? Once they hit that switch, it's like, they're not going back. They're done. It's, it's the balls rolling. You know, like the, the one lawyer that you have at the end of the film, he basically sums it up, right? Like it's not to, you know, he puts his own personal opinion in at the last, like how he did that. Like, well, just my personal opinion is she did what she did and now it's her fault and she's got to deal with it. You know, that's the gist really at the end. That's what they all thought. And they put her on death row because of it. It's horrendous. Absolutely. Absolutely. You just summed it up. I mean, you know, she was just, she was, she had too many children. For, for a lot of people, you know, even today, even after watching the film, I mean, of course, most people are outraged, but some will say, oh, well, you know, she was poor. Why did she have so, so many children? You know, oh, well, what did she use? You know, but that has nothing to do with it. Exactly. I'm not asking you if George Floyd was a model citizen. It doesn't yeah. interest me to know, yeah. you know. The fact of the matter is that Derek Chauvin killed him. And that's the end of the matter. You know, that's all that matters to me. I mean, you know, you don't need to have model citizens, you know, in front of you in order, you know, for them to be found not guilty. I mean, you know, if I kept wondering if it was me who was arrested and my child had fallen down the stairs and, you know, I'm white, I have that white privilege, right? And I would have convinced the cops for sure. I have no doubt in my mind. I would have said, you know what? I have a lot of children and one of my daughters, she fell down the stairs. You don't believe me? Okay. You know what? Speak to my lawyer. The thing is, Melissa Lucia did not even have the, the knowledge to know that she could have a lawyer, you know, by her side. She had never yeah. been arrested before. She, she had no knowledge of all of sure. this. And those cops weren't going to tell her, right? Like they're not going to help her defend herself. Um, no. like you said, right. They, they outnumbered her, they're in her face, right. You're, you're that personal space that who, you know, God, it's they're like, lying to her. They're yeah, telling they're her that yeah. everybody has said it, yeah. that, you know, all the children has said that it was her, you yeah. know, they're, they're, they're using all these techniques yeah. and, and, you know, and she has lost her daughter and she has not, you know, slept and she woke up that day at seven, at five in the morning. And she hasn't had a drink of water. She wasn't allowed to speak to her husband. She, you know, wasn't allowed to go to the restroom. I mean, it's just, it's just all these things that, you know, play. And, you know, I, I, some experts say that at some point you, you become convinced of what they're telling you. You're thinking, you know what? Maybe I'm responsible. And she kept saying, I'm responsible. I'm responsible. But, you know, I think the, what she means is I'm responsible for this situation. As a mother. I'm responsible for having yeah. two children. 
yeah. for this life of poverty, for not, you know, being the, the mother I should have been. And she said that to me very often, actually, face to face. I should not, you know, I should have, you know, I should have been a better mom. I should have done, you know, better for my kids. So, you know, um, but my mom says that, you know, a lot of I mean, it's true, you know, yeah. <laughs> lot, I mean, but it, maybe it's a, a, you know, I like my aunts say that about their kid, you know, my mom, on my mom's side, the Latin side, it's almost like this very submissive, this like, it's like, I didn't do enough, but they did a lot, right? It's like, mom, you did a lot. It's like, what are you talking about? It's, mm. there's always this constant thing of, I, you know, I didn't do enough and how much did they use that against her, that guilt, right? They sort of use that yeah. against her and as a weapon and oh man it's tragic absolutely and you saw that in the film how i put you know the virgin mary and all you know in this very roman catholic you know yeah. community where the guilt oh, yeah. is huge and absolutely. you know where the mom should be perfect yeah. and where you know everything is in the hands of god yeah and you know when i spoke to her family you know the the, the, the thing they kept repeating to me was like well if if god wants to you know in God's will, she'll be, she'll be freed. And I said, well, how about, you know, helping God a little bit, you know, and, and <laughs> trying to get her out of there, you know, and then do something. Um, but it's that mentality of, you know, we are, and they said it to me, you know, that was something that was really heartbreaking. They said, you know, we're the stupid people. We're the people that don't count. We're the people who don't know. We don't know how to talk. There's nothing we can do. And at the very beginning, when I started the film, the one thing they kept saying to me was like, what are we risking? Is something going to happen to us? Are they going to come after us? And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's been so many years. I mean, what are you afraid of? But, you know, the threat, especially um, in South Texas, is there. Um, there is, uh, it's, it's, it's a huge Latino community, but there's definitely, you know, um, the ones who have power and the ones who have none. Hmm. And if you don't have any, um, it's, it's not a good place to be. Yeah. 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 Well, so, I mean, I think, again, that's the other thing. I mean, you know, as you were already saying, um, you know, playing God, it's this sort of, it's, it's this condescending attitude. This that is that that the prosecutor you mentioned, uh, uh, Patrick, who says at the end, "Well, this is on her because she could have taken the plea deal." Well, why? You know, why is that the option? Why is that? It's if you're innocent, you sh you would proclaim your innocence. You don't okay, take thirty. But, but this is not the way it goes. I mean, no, look at the numbers. Yeah, the numbers are in the United States that ninety five percent of of cases are are won by the DAs by the DA's office ninety five percent. They don't take a case unless they're going to win it. So your best option is to take the plea deal. And and if he had been a nice person, he would have told her, take the plea deal because you are going to be, mm. you know, eaten alive. You know, it's never going to happen. You are never going to be free. But he wanted the money. He wanted the money. And then, you know, um, he got involved with a DA. I mean, you know, of course, you know, I strongly believe that. Um, it's kind of peculiar that he went to work for him just right after the case. And that there's just so many things that he did not bring 
into the case. But, you know, let's just say that he was the, the worst lawyer in history. You know, I'll take that. Um, yeah. He could have been honest with her and told her, listen, you know, uh, you have a dead baby. She's covered in bruises. Um, and I mean, 30 years, she would have probably been out by now. I mean, you know, um, mm. he just really played with her life, but you know, he didn't really care. I mean, he hated her guts. I mean, there's just nothing about her that he liked. And he I didn't think, think she honestly, was a good mother, right? That's what he, he said. Think she was a good mother. He yeah, thought that exactly. she would be better off. And, you know, he said to Melissa's sister at the very end of the trial, he said to her, uh, when she was asking about the children, she, she wanted to get, you know, Melissa's kids back. And he said to her, let them get lost in the system. Mm. Those were his words. I mean, thinking that, you know, it's, it would be best for them. I think people have very little knowledge and don't, don't imagine the collateral damage that it creates, yeah. you know. Mm. For people, Absolutely. not only on death row, but, you know, in prison, you know, everybody wants to, you know, lock everybody up for life. What about, you know, the family members? And what about, you know, I mean, how many generations does it take to recover from this? Um, a lot. I can tell you in Melissa's family, it's, it's like, it's like an atomic bomb has exploded and it's going to take generations, you know, to get, to get over this. Yeah, it will. And another thing you were referring about, you know, the death penalty. Um, you can check it out. I mean, unless you're poor, black, brown, disabled, you know, mentally disabled, I mean, you're, you're not going to end up on death row. That's not going to happen. If you have a little bit of money, if you have, you know, uh, a little bit, yeah, money, education, you're, you're going to get out of it. People who end up on death row are people who are indigents. Hmm. And that's a big problem. And so, um, I mean, uh, when you started this project, she would, as you said, the, her lawyer said, well, it was, you're too late. Um, did the, um, uh, and we can talk a little more about this, but did the, um, did the, when at the appeals, well, momentary win at the appeals court, did that occur while you were filming? What was that? Yeah, that, that all of a sudden appeared at the end of the filming. Yeah. You know, I mean, people kept saying, Oh, Melissa Lucio, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Well, why are you interested in her? Why her? You know, why would you want to do a film about her? I mean, it was just all these things. And then, you know, the entire town was talking about it. It was just a big thing. All of a sudden, we're talking about this case and, you know, oh, you know. And then another thing is, you know, I wanted to get some footage. So I went to all the local TV stations around Harlingen. And, you know, I was asking, I was like, you know, I'd like to buy some footage about you know, the Melissa Lucio case. I know that mm. was a long time ago, but also about Armando Villalobos. And then right away, mm. we'd be like, oh, that that's not for sale. That's mm. not for sale. You can't. We're not selling this. Okay. So, so it was, yeah, it was, uh, it was peculiar. And the entire, the feeling of it was, was quite incredible. And then all of a sudden, Margaret Schmucker, who was her uh, lawyer at the time, was dismissed. 
for other reasons. And she got a new lawyer. And then uh, six months later, she won her appeal. And we were just like, wow, what happened? You know, then the film came out. Um, there was a lot of press. And right at the moment when, when, you know, it started, you know, just we started talking a little less about Melissa just before the Hulu uh, mm. sale, just before, you know, the film was bought by Hulu in April. In, in February, all of a sudden, you know, she lost it again. And it was, uh, it was a very divided court. Um, seven, um, of the judges said that she should have a new trial. Seven said, seven were against it and three did not say anything. So she basically lost 10 to seven. Hmm. So just oh. the entire thing. It's just just incredible. And now it's up to the Supreme Court, which takes uh, 1% of cases a year. So we're just hoping that the fact that she's on death row, that she's she's a woman, that, you know, she, you know, that the DA is in prison, for God's sake. I mean, 13 years, I mean, for an elected official in prison, I mean, that's a lot of years. Uh, <laughs> that, you know, she won her appeal and then, you know, that a very divided court you know, yeah. reversed it again. You know, we're just hoping that, you know, the Supreme Court's going to pick up that, that case and, and do what, you know, should be done. But, but that, yeah, but that is truly her last chance, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Um, oh man, it's heartbreaking. You know, I think about the moment, um, in the film where she talks about admitting uh, of why she admitted to, doing the bruising, right? Like to save her daughter, right? In some sense, right? This motherly, which I get, right? I absolutely get that. She's got 14 of them, right? So, but at the same time you think, and of course, you know, thinking macro for her, but loving, right? That one child, but realizing, well, but if I go to jail, there's 13 more that need taken care of. What a dilemma to be in, right? So she's thinking, well, I don't want my daughter to go to jail. I don't want to admit for her, but I didn't do it, right? So I, I don't want to go to jail either. I mean, just what a predicament to be in. And, you know, I'm not saying the daughter did it, uh, you know, the other daughter, I mean, uh, but just from, you know, watching the film, I, I just thought that was interesting. Um, it was just a, such a big drama. And, yeah, you know, yeah. let's not forget that that was 15 years ago and that, you know, today, a lot of the things that were said at the, at her trial would be junk science. Uh, you know, uh, the DA who, uh, did the ending statement, which DAs never do, <laughs> except, you know, in Melissa Lucio's case, uh, you know, said that, you know, explained that, you know, it was the shaken baby syndrome, which could not have been since she was two and a half. And the shaken baby syndrome would have, you know, broken her neck, which she didn't have. So all that is gem science. And I think that if there was someone abusing in this family, it was definitely Alex, that she was fed up. Uh, and she didn't want to take care of the children anymore. Do I think that Alex felt her? No, absolutely not. I think that, you know, she fell down the stairs and it took her two days to die because she had blunt head trauma. And she had coagulopathy and, you know, her blood was not clotting anymore. And I think that that would have been something that today they would have probably, you know, um, taking her blood, you know, right away and 
studio and, and basically found that out. Uh, all these years later, it's hard, it's hard to prove, but there's just no, nobody ever saw her being, you know, abusive to Mariah. There's nobody. So, you or, know, or any of the children, right? None of the, none of the kids, yeah. none of the kids. I mean, none of yeah, the kids. Right? Totally. It's crazy. None of the kids. Someone would have. I mean, she lived in a one-bedroom apartment. Yeah. There were, uh, I think, seven boys in one room. And then uh, the rest of the girls in another. I mean, you know, uh, the older girls were bathing the little girls. So, you know, if you see bruising, someone's going to say something at some point to someone. Hmm. Um, nothing. So, you know, it's just the entire case is just, it's just a drama. And then all these years have gone by and um, now, you know, she's, it, it's really hard. I mean, she's been, as, you know, estranged for some of her children. Some though are still there and, you know, and, and are fighting for her until the end. But, you know, it's, it's really, you know, the thing is about Melissa is, you know, the bottom line is she was the mom. She was responsible. Doesn't matter the way you see it. If it was her daughter who had abused the kid, she was the mom. She did or should have done something, you know, whatever, you know, she's just the one to blame. And I think that's another, you know, big problem in our society is, you know, well, what about the fathers? Really? Really? The mothers have all that blame always, you know, that's a great point. That's a great point. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, one thing that's struck me about the film as I'm watching it, and um, I think it's one of its great assets, is every time you'd be going through it, I was like, well, she hasn't gotten so-and-so on camera yet. And lo and behold, that person would show up, you know, eventually. Even the, uh, even the, uh, at best, um, incompetent defense attorney. Um, The only one who doesn't show up on camera, at least uh, for an on-camera interview, is the uh, corrupt DA who's in the... Prison. Yeah, low, low. Prison. yeah. That was low, hard low. to get. Yeah, I, th- I can yeah. imagine it would have been. Um, yeah. I mean, so you have this great access. I mean, I'm not trying to make this just purely, you know, try to change the tone or anything, but, uh, because I know, I mean, from what I understand, trying to get access to death row inmates in the state of Texas is almost impossible. I mean, yet you've got, uh. Well, I'm very some... persistent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you. And I don't take no for an answer. <laughs> and I had a lot of time. Uh, I not only uh, directed this film, but I created my, my production company for this film. Mm. So I had uh, all the time in the world. And that's really, um, when you're doing a documentary time, yeah. means, you know, is worth a lot of money, really. Mm. Um, you know, even the way you're directing, when you have the time to really, you know, think about you know, what you're going to do. I mean, it's worth just so much. Um, Peter Gilman mm-hmm. took me a year and a half, you know, the, 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 her, her defense attorney. I mean, he did not answer any of my emails, never answered any of my phone calls. But since I was practically sleeping at the Brownsville courthouse, one day, you know, I saw him coming right at me and I knew wow. his face. I knew what he looked like. So I said, mm, wow. Mr. Gilman. He's like, yes. I'm like, Sabrina Van Tassel. And he was like, oh, you caught me. <laughs> and I'm like, why? 
why do you think that? He's like, you know, why would, why do you not want to speak to me? And he's like, that seems like a trap to me. That's what he said to me. I'm like, why would you feel that way if you've done nothing wrong? Exactly. He would be like, yeah, let's, let's try to get her out. Like, right. Like, yeah, let's talk about it. And really, you know, also the way I edited the film, the interviews are quite long. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've noticed, but they're not edited because I wanted to show that I did not make these Mm -hmm. people say what they say. Peter Gilman, if you hear his one hour interview, it's like an hour and a half. You'd think he's the prosecutor. Yeah. He has nothing nice to say about her. That's what my wife said when we watched the film together. That's what my wife said. She said, but dude, he, he, he has nothing nice to say about this. Okay. You'd think he would be in her corner. That's what she said. Right. Like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he starts off with, at least in the film, right. She's not a good mother, blah, blah, blah. I mean, just, yeah, I agree. It's. It's quite, yeah, it was, you know, so I was just like listening. I wasn't aggressive in the interview. I just, you know, I just listened. I was just like, wow, really? That's interesting. Then when I asked him, I said, you know, that's my, actually my only question in the entire film. The only question that you hear in the film. Yeah. When I said, you know, did you know that somebody else was Mm. abusive to Mariah? And he was like, no, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Um, Trust me. I wrote that down in my notes. Trust. That was one of my bullets. I was like, oh, stuttering uh, defense attorney. That was like red flag for me right away. I didn't believe a word that guy said. Just again, not to throw my personal beliefs in here, but just like every gut that, you know, is going off like gut check. Just like, oh, this guy. I just just didn't. uh, He he just I felt like he contradicted himself Mm -hmm. even. Uh, from the footage you sh- you showed in your film, uh, because he mentioned that he didn't want to put the kids on the stand because he didn't think they were disciplined. But at the same time, he's also saying, I don't know if she's abused. Well, which is it? Are they being disciplined? And while that's happening, they're being abused mm-hmm. or they're not being disciplined? Like what what's going on? I don't know. I just felt like he... You know what I mean? It didn't seem like he even mm-hmm. had the story in his head. It was... Oh, he had no answer. Yeah, exactly. I think I asked him seven times at least, what was your strategy? Wow. I said, okay, wow. what was your strategy? He couldn't answer. He had no strategy. He, wow. he didn't. I'm like, yeah. what was it? Did you think that she fell? Did you think she was abused? He, he had no answer. He couldn't tell me. He that had totally no clue. Makes sense. That totally makes sense. He wow. just had no clue. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he could care less where she's at. I mean, none of these people really care less about, you know, where she's at. I mean, she's just an animal, basically. Mm-hmm. They and all one think of the most dangerous women in Texas. That's why she's on death row. I mean, that's a nice thing that oh, people wow. should also realize is if you're on death row, you're the most dangerous person in America. Sure. You're so dangerous that you're separated from the rest of the carceral population because, you know, you should not arm other prisoners. Now, really, do you really think after seeing the film, Melissa is a danger to other prisoners? I I mean, just the entire thing is ridiculous. You know, it's really ridiculous. But yeah, to answer your question, it was was a lot of climbing. Uh, It was was a lot of persistence, just basically trying to get to, um, you know, even Daniela, her her oldest daughter, it took me Mm. months 
to uh, get a hold of her, uh, have her speak to me, um, you know, find everybody. I mean, you know, it's, it's, they have been hurt very badly. Mm. So you have to, um, take your time and, and respect that. Yeah. You know, and understand that, you know, uh, they don't trust anybody anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I basically, I think, um, created a bond with them in many ways. And, you know, I wasn't there to judge. I told them very, you know, mm. that very often. Like, I'm not judging you. I'm not even judging the sisters who are not writing. A part of me understands. I think most people don't, you know, they say they're not in our shoes. And yes, they're not. When you have someone on death row and there's no hope anymore and she's already dead and she lives and and, and her prison is eight hours away for someone who doesn't have any money. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a big problem. How did they respond to the film? Seeing it. They responded to the film very well. Uh, of course, there are some teams, you know, among the children. There's the one who are, you know, team Melissa and there's the one who are team Alex. So the one who are team Alex mm. think that, you know, well, mom is already where she's at and she's going to die and let her, you know, let's just get rid, you know, let's just Ooh. get rid of her and yeah. wow. nothing happens to Alex. And that's a drama in itself, but you know, can you blame them? Um, and the other side are, you know, no, you know, we're, we're, we're with our mom and, you know, we want her out. And, and then there's all this conflict now among the family, you know, you didn't do this, you didn't do that, you, you know, it's, it's, it's a huge drama everywhere you see it. It, it is. And, and I just hope, um, I mean, the thing that I'm very happy about is that Melissa got so many letters from, you know, so many people after you know, the film got released and, you know, who, who said, you know, told her, you know, we love you. We believe you. And, and, and that means the world to her. And she wants to fight and she really wants to, to, she doesn't want to die. Uh, there is a misconception where you, know, you think that you know, some death row prisoners really want to get it you know, over with. Most don't. They want to live. They, they want to see their children again. They want to. They want to live. Yeah. And they get. They even get used to death row. You know. Would you do a follow up? Would you? Would there be a follow up film potentially? If she ever got out. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Her chances of are of of getting out are very slim. Hmm. Um, I was really uh, hoping they would, you know, commute her sentence at least that she would be, you know, just in prison, yeah. allowed to, you know, have some, you know, physical contact at least, and have have a meal with someone. Because when you're on death row, you're in solitary confinement. You don't oh, share it at all. She hasn't been, you know, sharing a meal for 13 years. And when she is outside, she's outside alone. So, you know, a lot of people on death row go crazy. Uh, she hasn't. Um, she still manages. I mean, she's so strong. And she writes a lot. And we write a lot to each other. 
And I'm just really hoping that, you know, someone, that the Supreme Court's going to hear it, that, you know, uh, Innocence Project going to take the case, that some celebrities are going to, you know, start tweeting about her case. I mean, something's going to happen. I mean, you know, I'm just hoping. And even if that happens, doesn't mean that, you know, she will ever be out. So you think some celebrities sort of bringing some attention, you think that could help? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, uh, if, you know, Rodney Reed, uh, Julius Jones, uh, if it wasn't for, uh, the attention they got and, you know, some celebrity endorsement, they would already be executed by now. Well, well, what an impact. Um, that they could have, right? Wow. Yes. Yes. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, putting my hopes high on Governor Abbott. I mean, the only person that, you know, he commuted the sentence to was a white male, which I think is very interesting. And that was 20 years ago. Um, so I'm not, you know, thinking he's going to become a good person all of a sudden, you know? Um, but, uh, yes, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping there's going to, uh, be a change of government in, at least in Texas that, you know, they are going to review all the cases of Armando Villalobos. Just, just, just let's just start there. Absolutely. A hundred, right? Like, yeah, let's just start there. If you caught your bowling partner cheating, you would think every game before that, right? I mean, it just makes sense that you would just check his, all of his cases and exactly just starting there. There's no question. Oh man, that's so frustrating. Um, right. It's Mm -hmm. so frustrating. I I can't even imagine what it is for you. Just as somebody watching it, um, does make you. It's been, it's been been crazy. It's been crazy. So every, every film selection, every, every news article, every, anything, is great because, you know, it talks about her and it talks about her case and, you know, and, and that's great. It means that she's still alive. She's still there and she's still there with us. But, you know, it takes so much energy just trying to, you know, reach out to people and trying to convince them. And, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm like, look, I'm just a filmmaker. Um, I'm not a lawyer, but I, but I'm a great investigator and I can tell you that there's nothing in this case. Just check it out. You know, just, just look, you know, you know, look at it. But, um, at the same time, there's so many cases like hers. Yeah. And, you know, advocates are, you know, just, they tell you, yes, yes, but there's just so many. They're overwhelmed. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. They're overwhelmed. They are. Except that it's a very urgent case now. I mean, um, if the Supreme Court refuses to uh, hear her case, uh, she could have an execution date by October. Oh, wow. So this is serious. And how soon How soon usually when they set an execution date does it happen? Is it a couple of years? I, I, you know, I feel like I should know this as a Texan, but I don't, I don't know. 15 days. What yeah. fifteen days? Yeah, they can. Yeah, they, can they can wait. They can wait for you know to to you know set you know to to set the date. They could take six months, a year, whatever. But you know, once they you know pick a date, that, it's, it's fifteen it's days, 15 and then days. you know you have the board of pardons. So we put a wow. petition online, you know, asking already people to you know 
um, sign the, the petition for the Board of Pardons in, in case, you know, her case was not taken by the Supreme Court to please watch the film to, you know, because it's a different thing to watch a film and to read a case, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's going to be a long battle, but I promised her that, you know, I would be with her till the end mm. and I will. Wow. You know, I wasn't expecting That's... this in my life. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. So, so is this why you've, I mean, if, if I counted correctly, is this why you've entered so many festivals i think i saw 23 laurels on your in your press yes i mean it's it's absolutely amazing i was just selected in two more over the weekend so yes (laughs) it's you're not gonna be able to even see the the poster for the film anymore it's just gonna be i know i know (laughs) well Um, you know the thing is once you get selected in film festivals you know it's like you know uh, when you're not looking for a job anymore you know they come to you and they say you know you you know submit you know the film, you know, we'll give you a waiver. So, you know, I was just like, yes, you know, and, and yes, absolutely. Especially in times of COVID when, you know, it was, Mm. it it was impossible for for me to to go and everything was, you know, going on online. I was like, you know, I'd rather just like do that. But now I'm very excited about the fact that the film starting, it was very important for me that the film was, you know, would be released in the U S that's the most important thing. Uh, and now the fact that it's going to be released worldwide is also good because, you know, I'm thinking, okay, you know, they're not embarrassed, clearly, mm-hmm. you know, well, you know, let's, let's have the film travel a little bit more now, you know, let's see mm-hmm. how the rest of the world, you know, sees the situation. And, and yes, you're, you're right when you say that, you know, it's not the first film and it won't be the last. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But, you know, I guess uh, all of us are trying to um, create awareness about a huge problem. There is, you know, a big problem with the justice system. This justice system, you know, is is completely broken. I mean, a lot of people would say, actually, it was designed like this. It was designed to put these kind of people where they're at, you know. Not going to go into that right now, but you know, I mean, it, that's it's a big problem, and so well, they're, they're um, very proud of that fact, right? Like even just watching um, the DA's commercial that you put in the film, right? It's all about we're tough on crime. It's hey, I got a ninety nine percent conviction rate. I got. It's all about you know, yes, putting away the bad guys, and and there's nothing. Outside of that, right? It's all about being the, the sheriff with the, with the badge and the, just getting people and, uh, wild west, uh, still sort of mentality, um, where it's not look, looking at these people as people that are going to go back into society, right? These are a lot of them just, we, they've made mistakes. I mean, going even outside of, um, Melissa's, you know, situation, just anybody that's bring brought, brought into the court system, uh, just our perspective, our lens onto what we, look through is already wrong we start off wrong it's just it's all bad uh you know that's again not to put my personal opinion in but again the options that this young woman was laid out with you know so long ago there were already the options were wrong just to begin with it's like just a horrible system you, you lose before you start exactly right like an eye for an eye yeah, and like gandhi eye said eye. you know gandhi said something beautiful he said, an eye for an eye leaves everybody blind. Yeah, and exactly. 
Yeah. I mean, I don't know how, you know, what a better way to put it, really. Well, the courtroom cheering when it's like we're about to put a woman to death. Yay. What? <laughs> this is where, where are we at? You know, when that happens, that's just a little just disturbing to think. Yeah, that, it is. Right. Like I get that you may, if you're, if you're, I don't want to say happy is the word, but you're okay with the justice that you think got served. Right. But at the same time, mm -hmm. some sort of remorse of look at to the extent of what we have to do to get that right. Justice. We, we've got to take this woman's life and they're, they're joyful about that. And that's crazy. That's like going to see when people used to get hung and going to the town square, like with popcorn and right. Like that was the thing. Like that's so it's insane. Um, it just lives in a different way now. Yeah, it's Holy Sam, right? Yeah. <laughs> Gladiator kind of yeah. justice. Yes, yeah. I absolutely agree with you. I mean, I think we got it all wrong. And, you know, when I speak to people, they're like, yeah, but, you know, um, some people, no mercy, you know, let's just shoot them. And I'm like, well, that's just not the way it goes. It's mm. going to take years. It's going to take 30 years. It go it's going to cost you a lot of money. You're worried about your money as a taxpayer, you know? I mean, death row is the wrong answer. It costs millions, you know? That's a good point. That's a great point. I mean, what, what, you know, it's just not true. It's just not true. And in a system where right now, how many people are wrongly convicted? And, you know, we found that out, what, every month? Every month we have something, you know, I have Google mm -hmm. alerts, right? Uh, someone, oh, yeah. yeah. Was in prison 37 years, you know, was proven innocent. Oh, that guy was, was executed four months ago. Oh, but you know what? The DNA, it's not his DNA. Okay. You know, we have a problem and in a, in a, you know, in a judicial system like this, where, you know, there's just such a problem, you can't have the death penalty. Whatever way you want to see it, you just can't. And that's why, that's why it needs to be banned. That's it. Hmm. That's my personal opinion as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's fine. For, for, yeah, for everyone else listening or watching, uh, you know, obviously. Well, I mean, that's what changed hearts and Whatever, minds. I mean, with yeah. the, there's a, this is years ago now because you're saying it's going to take 30 years. Well, we were saying things like this 30 years ago. Um, and it's, yeah. it's still happening. Right. Um, the, uh, you know, the governor of Illinois, he was a proponent of the death penalty and he, it was, they had enough of these wrongful conviction cases that that's when he put the moratorium on it. I, I'm not sure if it's still a more, you know, if, there's a lot of states where they haven't abolished it yet, but they do have a moratorium. Um, but, um, you know, I think, you know, we've got members of, there's, I don't know, it's hard to see how this is going to change because I think, as you say, this is, this, uh, the word dr drama dramatic has been used quite a bit. It's a tragedy, isn't it? And I think these, uh, even if, uh, even if this poor, uh, little girl, Mariah had not died, this, they were already in tragic situation and they were already in a tr very, um, difficult place. And, um, you know, I think this, uh, you know, giving people the resources they need to, um, have a fair shake, um, um, as much as I agree, they should have it and more so, um, it's, I don't know you, I mean, again, it's the frustration for you as a filmmaker, you, you are there to shine a light on this and let people see it and come to their conclusions. But, uh, there's just, uh, you know, there's just, 
how do you create this public outcry? There's, you know, because I think for the most, most people, Patrick, you're the, you know, I'm, I'm here living in the UK, but, uh, you're in Texas. There's not a, even if the average person would say, look, uh, yeah, I've seen the evidence. This now looks like a, someone, something wrong was happened here. There's just, most people aren't thinking about the, the little guy or the little girl, however you want to look at it in terms of these situations. It's kind of far removed. It's not affect, they think it doesn't affect them. So there's just not this political, um, wave or force to, to, to do, unfortunately to, to change things. Um, well, I don't agree with that. <laughs> you don't? <laughs> no, I don't. Well, where, I don't where, agree with that. So how do you, how do you think it is? I mean, I mean, thank Look, you for making this film. I very much appreciate it. Yeah, you know, that's very much appreciated. But how uh, do you? I I believe that you know strongly that Melissa would have still would would have already been executed if mm. I had not done that film. So that's wow. that's no, what not, I believe. I and I agree. Second with of all, yeah. I I know that you know there was uh, she had a page I think where there was um, two hundred people on the page. Now there are thousands and she's receiving letters from all over the U S and people are fed up. They're not only fed up about, you know, they're fed up about so many things. Look what happened with black lives matter. Look what happened. You know, Mm. you talk about police brutality. Let's talk about, you know, the judicial system's brutality, you know, which is huge. People are fed up. And, you know, that's another case where they're seeing this and they're like, okay, again, you know, how many are there, you know? So, um, I really believe in the American dream for that, uh, that, you know, yes, uh, people will, will, will make a difference that, um, people will advocate. There's just amazing people out there who are doing a Mm -hmm. tremendous job advocating and, you know, you know, wanting to end the death penalty. And look what happened in Virginia. I mean, they just, you know, ended the death penalty in Virginia. I mean, that's just, you know, that was a couple of months ago. That's un- that's unbelievable. Mm, yeah. And, you know, I believe that one day that's going to happen in Texas, believe it or not. It will. I it might so, take too. a little longer, yeah. but, you know, mm. uh, yeah. it will. And that's why, you know, we need to keep the fight and we need to do films like this. I guess the what I was getting at is what maybe to look at it this way a different way. What would you suggest people who feel this way? And I'm have been against the death penalty for as certainly as long as I can remember. Um, uh, what do people need to do? Because what what would you suggest? You know what what you know? And thank well, you, you have for social media, film. right? You have Twitter and you have Instagram and mm-hmm. you have Facebook. How about, you know, sharing her face? How about sharing the petition? How about, you know, uh, there's a GoFundMe page, you know, trying to, you know, put some money so that her children go and visit mm-hmm. her because she might not have a whole lot of time left. Mm-hmm. How about, you know, writing the governors? How about, you know, making noise? Mm-hmm. Because that's, you know, what works at the end of the day. And I think we have amazing tools now. Um, more than we used to, right? With social media, there's so many things we can do. And I think a lot of things are changing because of it. And, and so, um, well, I'm optimistic. I, I, I believe that there's a lot. I, I believe you can, you can change things. And, and I believe that, you know, Melissa will not, 
I believe strongly that Melissa will not be executed. I, I do. I think there's just been so many things happening. Hmm. I mean, I have great faith that something's going to happen for her. At the very least, another trial, right? Like but, something. Yeah. I, I mean, that's just that. That's what I don't get either. Like at the very least, even if you think, yeah, she's look. The DA was arrested for third. We need to reach, you know, this needs to be retried, like without a doubt, whether you agree with mm -hmm. it or not. Right. Like even that. So, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it, this is it's just insane. Um, I love your energy, by the way. I just got to say that I love your energy. Uh, Thank you. Um, you know, much respect, like <laughs> your passion for like I'm Latin. I got that pat. Like I feel you like I'm so I'm saying my mm -hmm. blood is but like I want to jump out of this chair and like I'm with you. Like I get it. Um you're right. It's what we need to push. It's what people need to do. And it's how things get done. If you, if you don't think it's ever going to change, it won't. It so, won't. Right. It won't. Yeah, um, it won't. And, and I think you're right. I, I think you're, you know, just a little side thing is, you know, you made this point about it's not financially, um, right. Beneficial to do it. That's, you know, and, and then, you know, again, not to take the emotion out of it, but that's a great way to reach conservatives in some way to get them to change their mind sometimes, right? Like sometimes it's just, let's get, you know, however we can get them to change their mind about it. Maybe that's another way to push too as well. Um, and I'm, 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 and it's, it's quite strange, right? That they haven't not yeah. look at it because, you know, when you yeah. have a case on death row, it's ongoing. Yeah. And all the people on death row are indigents. So it's a good like $200,000 a year. Until they're executed. Yeah. Do the math. You don't want to yeah. pay for these people. <laughs> you want them dead. <laughs> you know what the saying off. is a, a bullet costs two cents, right? That's what they say, <laughs> right? Like that's, I mean, I'm not, I mean, just being real. They say that in Texas here. I hate, you know, but it's, it's what they say. Yeah. That's what you'll hear that's a conservative say. say here. Right. And it's like, but they're not looking at the whole thing. They probably just don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like liberals and, you know, the left here, myself included, like we need to push that narrative even a little bit more, which I never, I remember, yeah, I remember hearing that a long time ago. It just kind of slipped away because it's not talked about enough, but you're right. I think just hitting it from different angles to it get people millions. to realize, yeah, to get millions. people to realize this is not the way to go. A death row know. case costs millions to the state. And then, you know, then you need to pay for the lawyers. And that's a good 200,000 a year, at least, until they're executed. And that goes until their execution date. And then you need to, you know, build a second, you know, others, you know, you know, space in the prison with special wardens. I mean, just the entire thing costs so much money. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So if you're thinking about the money, I mean, you know, for sure, death row is not what you want. Uh, but I think that what we need right now is we need uh, Joe Biden to actually, you know, put an end to uh, the federal death penalty. That would be a great signal. Uh, and then we need, you know, all the states to uh, basically follow up, you know. I mean, that's one thing we need. All right. I like it. Well, and um, just to say that I think Melissa is very fortunate to have for you for to for you to have found her actually um, i was very fortunate to found her too yeah that's yeah. i agree with both i agree with both of that absolutely yeah. both of y'all right like absolutely 100 percent. well that's mm -hmm. awesome uh, so what's next for you sabrina well after all this <laughs> still very much involved as you know as you know yeah. 
as you heard, uh, I'm doing another film right now about guns in America, and uh, I'm um, preparing a new a new feature um, about the you know Indian Indian world, you know Native Americans, and you know what they suffer as well. I guess you know. I mean, a lot of things that I do. I mean, I'm trying to be a messenger for you know people who mm. have no voice. So that's what I try to do. Um, and finding and, a public for that. <laughs> yes. And you, I mean, I think self-described as a, a French American journalist and documentarian. Uh, yes. but, um, I mean, as so, and, um, my podcast is uh, sponsored by Alamo Pictures, which does docs about America from more of a European perspective. And what, what does that add to you? Do you think, does it give you a sense of insight that you don't think maybe even, um, uh, American documentarians have, uh, even though they yes. will have touched yeah, on absolutely. the subjects. So I'm, I'm really like, you know, my mom is French. My dad's American. Uh, mm. I grew up in both countries. Yeah. Uh, I vote in both. Um, <laughs> my family was very involved in politics in the U S mm. um, you know, my grandfather went in front of, you know, the McCarthy comedy. So, you know, I mean, it was a big deal. Um, mm. So just being, you know, seeing things from, I see things from a different point of view, right? Uh, uh, I mean, being French as well and seeing how, you know, they deal with problems and, you know, how in the U.S., you know, we deal with problems. I mean, has certainly given me mm. a lot of uh, well, I'm, I'm guess I'm, 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 I'm seeing things in, in, in a different way and it's, it's easier for me to kind of expose them. Um, yeah, definitely. And trying to have also the world understand. Cause you see, I mean, when you're European, uh, coming to the U.S., uh, the difference between, you know, what's federal and what's state mm. and, you know, and, and the justice system, which is so, so, you know, different and yeah, so many yeah. things, you know, uh, the fact that, you know, we are socialist countries and, you know, uh, and, and that we have free, you know, healthcare and, you know, all these things and that in the U.S. you don't, it's, it's very different. Um, the thing that I can say though is, is, uh, Americans, what I like about it, um, and, and that we lack, I think in Europe is that, you know, uh, there's a lot of, of people who really want to make a difference. Mm. And who want to change the world in a very genuine way. You know what I mean? Saying, you know, mm. you know what? We're going to do, we're going to do this. We're going to fight against this. We're going to get united and we're going to do all this, you know, mm. and as Europeans, we don't have that. We're lacking that. We're a little like, yeah, right. You know, it's not going to make any difference anyway. Why bother? So, mm. you know, um, uh, that's the difference. So there's good and there's bad and, and, um, I guess being European and, you know, living abroad, you know, gives me, um, gives me that, you know, that perspective. Hmm. And then as a, um, I mean, you've made scores of documentary films. Um, yeah. yeah, How have you, I mean, um, do you, um, do you work as an independent? Because I think, how do you, how do you manage this? It's quite any advice you'd have for anyone starting out? Cause it's, uh, it's it's quite a challenge to try to, um, well, you know, to achieve what you've achieved 
uh, is is quite quite impressive. How do you uh, how do you what's what what's driving you? In or, Injustice. Yeah, I think we're all good at something, right? Uh, mm. And 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 uh, my advice to other filmmakers, if you want to to be in documentary, um, is that you need to find the little something that you have that you know is different from the rest, you know, uh, and, and I guess for me, I mean, having that dual culture definitely helped because mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I got this. I, I'll, I'll explain it to you. Yeah, You don't get it. Yeah. No, no problem. I'll, I'll explain it to you. <laughs> you know? Um, uh, and, and also uh, being driven. I mean, uh, I was yeah. always an independent. I never worked for, um, a production company uh, or broadcaster you know, or, or anything. So I was yeah. always, you know, yeah. um, independent. Um, most of the films, you know, that I did were, were produced by networks. Though. You know, they were already, yeah. you know, yeah. so they'd be like, you know, you want to do this, go ahead, you know, whatever. Mm. But I was always very driven in, in, in what I wanted to do, uh, the topics I wanted to do. I, I never really, or almost never, uh, did something that I didn't like. Hmm. And I think hmm. I was very fortunate in, in doing so. I think um, accepting to do something that is not you, hmm. you know, might seem like a good idea at the beginning because you need to work, but in yeah. the long run is, is not, is not as a good idea because, you know, you're just going to go in the wrong path. Um and also, I mean, I was so determined at, at the very beginning when I started my career that, you know, even if I wasn't paid, it was, you know, it wasn't a problem for me. I was like, mm-hmm. you know, I just want to do this. And so a lot of the big, I mean, some of the, my, my, you know, big films, I mean, the ones where I spent years, because mm-hmm. some I just did, you know, for the, the networks and, you know, it went really fast and some, you know, I really, you know, gave my heart, you know, to them. Mm-hmm. Um, those were a necessity they were something that i needed to do a story i needed to told and and usually um you know you you see it you feel it when you see a film where you see something something like you feel it you know what i mean i do but I mean, it, it, exactly. And I think it's, uh, you know, it's, you could say it almost about any profession. You need to have that drive. You need to have that passion and for what you're doing. I think too, I'm, I'll put my hand up. I've certainly sold out, if you will, and done things that I thought, uh, well, I, I've got to get shoes on the kid's feet, but, uh, uh, did it actually, it ended up being a dead end, really. When you, when you go in that direction, if it's not true, true to, it sounds cheesy, but true to who you are, you know, I mean, I think you, you just, it's, it, you can make justifications for these things and then it ends up five years down the line. You're wondering why, why didn't I, why did I do that? Why am I doing this? Yeah. Why am I doing this? Um, you know, exactly. Um, and I mean, that's, I think what was also, I mean, I, I guess, probably i don't know i guess we're it's been lovely to chat with you and you've been on for a little while now but uh this uh you uh, i think it's uh, it was mentioned elsewhere uh you purposely wanted to make a cinematic film and you've you've achieved that do you uh should we give some shout outs to some of your uh like your 
director of photography and stuff. I mean, it's a, um, it's a it is a beautiful film that you've, it? you've yes. made. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we've been working together for so many years. Mm. Um, 15 actually. Uh, he's directed, okay. he, wow. he, he did. This is, this is Cyril um, Thomas. He worked on almost, yes, yeah, Cyril Thomas. Yeah. He, he, he worked on almost every, every single film I, I, I did and we know each other so well. And yeah. he has the, not only is he an amazing DP, but he has this amazing empathy. And mm. he's someone that I can bring and I know that he will listen to people, even if it takes, you know, hours and, he will stay for dinner if they invite us and, you know, all these things. And that's very important. I mean, you know, if hmm. don't go into documentary, if you don't like people, basically, <laughs> <laughs> that's my advice. You know, if, if you, if you're not interested in human beings, don't do this. Yeah. Yeah. Do something else. You know, it's like a chef who, who hates people, food. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's the bottom line. Yeah. And, and no, he's just no. an amazing human being like that. And he understands. Awesome. He's very smart in the way he mm. films. And I think, yeah, he, mm. he his work is, is pretty phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I thought it was yeah. – uh, um, and having South Texas roots myself, I thought you, you did a – you captured it brilliantly um oh that's that, texas all right that's texas that's sunlight I mean, I, look i'm uh, here that, y'all okay yeah i can I'm hear telling y'all but you're from dallas texas. yeah hey, hey listen texas is texas don't, don't get twisted. no south texas uh, is very all right different. there but, are uh, different parts uh but, of course um, and then also i mean i wasn't meaning to uh imply that i've taken the just... bus through there by the way y'all i don't know if y'all have driven through i've taken buses straight to mexico city from dallas so i've been through all different parts uh oh yeah lots was, of times I was supposed to take a bus to when Monterey I was a kid. We once, did that but, very, yeah, very often. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I think when I was about 30, so about 10 years ago, when I lived in Mexico and Veracruz, that was the last time I did it because it was pretty dangerous actually yeah, when I crossed. Yeah. So yeah, I was like, yeah. okay, I'm not doing that again. It's such a flat country. It's such a flat state, right? Sure. That, yeah, that well, spe- it, yeah. it, that part of it, yeah, the north. Yeah. But once you like, my family's from Mexico City, so that that part of La Montaña, you know, it's yeah. uh, right. Mm. It's 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 deep in the valley. You've got you know that's why there's so much smog. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, I could go on. Yeah. Mexico doesn't get enough credit for actually how beautiful the country is, how much countryside and waterfalls and mountains and you know, just it's just such a beautiful country that doesn't get mm. uh, explored enough or talked about enough. Sorry, not to change the subject. No, no, I think it's, uh, I mean, partly talking about being evocative is the other thing is, um, not too many, uh, death row docs have their own soundtrack. Um, and I think that was also well done, um, in terms yes. of, uh, who is it? Is 100%. it Christoph? Who is it? Christoph Lapinta? Christoph Lapinta is, is a very, um, well known film composer here in France. Mm. Um, we met, uh, at a film festival. I, I had mm. done a, a previous film about uh, Drancy, which is a concentration camp in France, yeah. which is now has been turned into social housing. So, um, oh I wow, did a documentary about that that was interesting. Wow, uh, and wow. he saw my film, and uh, I heard his music, and you know, he said to me, uh, "I'd love to work with you." And then, shortly before I started. Um, you know, the state of Texas versus Melissa, he called me and he said, Hey, how about we work together? (laughs) 
So I went to see him at his studio and I was just like, you know what? That's a great idea. I don't have the money. (laughs) (laughs) And And he's like, you know, (laughs) this is not a problem. He's like, sign sign me up. (laughs) Yeah. I don't have anything. So yeah. instead he negotiated uh, 50% you know. of the back end or something, but no. Um. Yeah. So he said to me, listen, um, I'll keep the rights. Uh, mm. And uh, I, I'll do the, you know, I'll do the music and you'll just pay for um, the mix basically. Wow. Just like, okay. It's amazing. And then he, I would basically send him, you know, part of the editing and then he would you know, just compose on it. And it was quite amazing. And then one day he calls me and he's like, um, do you know about Dominic Miller? And I'm like, no. He's like, well, you know, it's one of the most famous, you know, guitar player right now. Um, he is Sting's, you know, Sting, yeah. lead guitar yeah. player. And um, he, you know, composed Shape of My Heart. And I was like, right. He's like, well, you know what? He's going to do uh, the guitar wow. on, on your film. <laughs> Wow. So I was like, okay. And then um, the guy was like on tour and he was only two days in Paris because he's married to a French woman. And he came to the studio and, you know, he just took his guitars and just, you know, put the guitars on the music. So, so I had like a lot of these little angels, Mm. you know, on my path, um, which, which also told me, because I, I believe in that strongly when I'm making the film, sometimes all the doors close and sometimes they, they open. Mm. And I believe mm. in that. You know, I, I sometimes believe that, you know what, maybe this story needs to be told. And, you know, maybe yeah. we yeah. need to do this. Yeah. Some films happen and some don't. And uh, when really it's too hard to, to make a film, when it's just, you know, it's impossible, you know, now I just give up. Mm. I'm like, you know what? Universe doesn't want me to do it. (laughs) I'm not going to fight anymore, you know, but, you know, for this film, you know, it was like, it was open. That's why, you know, I strongly believe that, you know, it's not over. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. No. No, it's it's not. not. Yeah, it's not. We'll talk about it. Yes. We'll We'll have you, if we haven't scared you (laughs) off, we'll uh, love to have you back on, especially if things go hopefully as they do. Um, And, um, yeah, it would be a, a great. You talk about a, a, a follow up. We'd love to do a follow up if this uh, if the, that happens as well. So yeah, um, if Texas ever allows me to come back. Oh, they you uh, don't be silly. You can. They, they don't check anyone at the <laughs> airport. Kind of wanted right now. Hey, but yeah, I mean, it's a big yeah. state. I promise. It's, it's a, a big, big state. state. It's yeah. a big state. And believe it's me, you can get lost there pretty easily. Yeah. How diverse it's, it is, and you know. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And soon you you guys are going to turn blue, so you know that's going to be nice. I think we're right. We're, <laughs> we're close. Uh, there's a lot of people get scared. I'm like, let's finally. That's why I said, finally, let's do this because I love this state, but there's definitely some things about it that are uncomfortable. You know, it's funny not not to take away, but like I, I when I lived in Spain for a few years. I remember that the only conversation people wanted to have with me was about Texas's death penalty. That that, that was it. That that's what people really find out right from Texas. Bam, that's all we're talking about the rest of the night is why we have the death penalty. You know, so it's a big, you know, it's a bigger conversation than 
I think Americans even realize. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah that's know? for sure. That's, that's for true. Sure. So, yeah. yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you did this film, and um, I'm glad Melissa has you. Like I uh, was mentioned earlier, and um, yeah, here to support it. So I'll do what I can Thank for sure. So give much. you that promise uh, to myself, or and right. to you, and to Melissa and her family. Thank you so much. Well, and thank you. Uh, it's very, very much appreciated you coming on, and it's been lovely to talk with you. And uh, you still got a little, little bit of time left in the Paris evening. Um, so, uh, do hope you have a, a great rest of the day, and uh, we'll be uh, be in touch soon. Great. Thank you thank so you. much. All right. Thank Take you, care. Sabrina. Bye. And now it's time for my favorite part of the show. The end credits. This is everyone responsible for making the show happen. Executive producer, Sebastian Sauerborn. Podcast manager, Nevena Ponovich. Marketing manager, Caroline Grape. Video and audio editors, Danilo Bojnov and Pavel Sebastianovich. Thumbnail designer, Marco Vukovic. Social media manager, Ursa Rusman. Guest outreach, Corey Mencies. Designing image quotes, Jay Apuya. Social media videos, Labri Fernandez. Outreach support, Yonette Del Mundo. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. The Lone Star Play podcast is produced by Texas Real Food. Go to texasrealfood.com and you can search your city for stores, butchers, restaurants, farmers markets, and more who are using fresh, artisanal, organic sources. It's a fun site that brings all natural options all together. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, go to thelonestarplay.com. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Until next time. <laughs>